Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Well, my name is Brian Sparks, lead pastor here at the Church RC, and and uh, we're so honored to have each and every one of you here today. Uh, we we uh, we we have a lot of exciting things going on here at the church, and and I, I hope that. Uh, as a church family, you're a part and you're, you're jumping in. We had uh, our uh, prayer out on the land and we had a big turnout on that and it was awesome. Yes. People got to see the land, kind of talk about what, what was going where, where things were going to be. Um, everybody loved the pond on our land, but the pond will not be there. It is going to be parking lot. So somebody will actually be parking on uh, what used to be a pond uh, and so... Uh, it's going to be awesome. And, uh, but uh, everything is going really good. We're really excited about it. We're in this campaign called Heart for the House. And before we get started, let's just welcome our online family. Come on, welcome all of our online church family. We have people that tune in from all over the world. And uh, we're so honored to have them uh, listening today. And I pray that this message helps you. And I pray that it helps them as well. Amen. You got a Bible? Uh, we're going to go to two passages of scripture this morning, 2 Chronicles 7.16, 2 Chronicles 7.16, we're in this series, Heart for the House, and this is our theme verse, and then you can also turn to Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27, Matthew 7, 24 through 27, 2 Chronicles 7.16 says this, for now I have chosen and sanctified this house. Come on, God has chosen and sanctified this house. Aren't you glad that you're in a, in a place that God has chosen? Aren't you glad you're in a place that God has sanctified? Aren't you glad that you're in a place that God has set apart for him? That my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Matthew 7, 24 through 27 says this, Jesus is speaking And he says, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, Here I Am. Here I Am. Lord, I thank you for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-headed sword. Thank you that every ear in here is open and receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You know, several years ago, uh, my dad made a crazy choice and purchased a house that was pretty much falling down. Uh, It was an old house in Sulphur Springs, Texas, and he drove by, he saw that it was in bad shape, it it was in very bad shape, the front porch was completely caved in on it, I mean, the house was just in really rough 
shape. And he made a decision that he was going to find the owner and offer them a crazy price. And so that's what he did. He found the owner. He said, hey, I tell you what, I really love this house. I, I, I know that it's in rough shape. I know that it's in, it, it needs a lot of repair. And so I'll give you this amount of money. And, the, and to his surprise, he wasn't really expecting it. But to his surprise, the, uh, the owner of the house said, sure, it's all yours. And, uh, and, but what's amazing is, is that my dad knew that it needed all of this work. But what you have to understand is that my dad can't fix anything. He cannot. He is not a handyman. And, uh, but lucky for him, my, uh, his father-in-law, my grandpa, can fix anything. In fact, he built the house that they raised their kids in. Like He built it in the days when you just used a handsaw, come on, and nailed every nail in. No nail guns. He did all of that. He can build anything. And I asked him one time, I said, Pap, how'd you get so good at fixing things? He goes, well, I couldn't afford to do it the wrong way, so I had to do it the right way, right? That's just... But he could do anything. He could just he could fix anything. And so he was retired, so he agreed to come and help my dad repair and fix this house, to restore it to what it used to be. And uh, at that time, I was working uh, as a kind of a yard foreman at the lumber yard at Foxworth, Galbraith in Sulphur Springs, Texas. It's no longer there. And uh, anyways, and so I, I'm working there, and my grandpa would come up and get lumber. Now, here's what you have to understand is I call my grandpa Pappy. And uh, I, love, I love my pappy. I love hanging out with him. I love spending time with him. But if you ever worked with an old school guy like this, it can be extremely frustrating. Because everything has to be perfect. Everything has to be perfect. And so I would see him coming and I knew that my day just got a lot longer. Because he would, come out to the, he would come out to the yard, he would have the purchase ticket in hand, he would hand it to me and he'd say, come on, come on, uh, let's go pick out the lumber. And so we would go out and we'd get out in the yard and we'd begin to go through it board by board. He would turn, come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. He would turn it on one side, he'd look at it. Then he'd flip it over, he'd turn it on the other side and look at it. Then he might flip it over again and look at it again. And I mean, he would do this over and then most of the time he'd go, eh, Throw it off to the side. Over and over and over. It took, it, it took hours to get a few boards. It was ridiculous how long it took. And one particular day he showed up and I had a lot to do. I mean, I was busy. We had a lot of, of orders to get filled. We had a lot to do. And I, I was running a little short on patience. And I was out there with my grandpa. And we were, we were doing this whole process. He was flipping one board over, looking at it, looking at the other one. And then if it was good enough and met all of his requirements, we would put it in the truck. And finally, I looked at him and I said, Pat, I understand that you want good boards, but this is ridiculous Pick something, let's go. I got a lot to do. Not a wise decision on my part. But I never will forget my grandpa taught me a massive lesson in that moment. He, told, he, he didn't just te- teach me a lesson about building, he taught me a lesson about life. He said, Brian, the reason why I'm this picky is because you are, whatever you build will only be as good as the material you use to build it. Whatever you build will only be as good as the material you use to build it. See, here's the thing. In Matthew 7, Jesus likens your life to a house. 
He likens your life to a house and he says this, that everybody is building. Whether or not you know it or not, you are building on something. You're building a life. You might sit back and be like, well, you don't understand. I'm not really doing anything. I'm just, you're laid back. You're just letting life come to you. Can I just tell you right now, you are building a life. You are building a life, whether or not you know it or not. Because the Bible says this. Jesus says, you're building on the rock or you're building on sand. But no matter what, don't be mistaken, you're building. Everybody is building something. And And here's the thing is, is that you have to understand that you will have the life you build And you build the life you have. That's just the way it is. Every one of us is working. Every one of us is building something. And here's the thing is a lot of times we think it's the big things in our life that make the difference. But the truth is, it's the small things. The small things have greater impacts than we realize. And they affect us long after, long down the line. They're they're these little things, the things that we think shouldn't matter because they're going to be they're just not important you know that flipping the board over and looking at it at different every different angle and say this is nearly like this is this the material that I want to use for my life what if we treated uh, building our lives like my grandpa treated building a house and we looked at it from every different angle and really thought do I really want this in my life do I really want this to be a part of my, uh, of my structure? Do I really want this to be a part? Do I really want this guy Come on. to be a part of my dating history? Come on, somebody. Do I really want this thing that I'm doing? Do I really want this to be a part of what I'm building with? Do I really want this to be a part? Because here's the thing is that we're building. And here's the deal is every one of us has made mistakes. Every one of us has fallen short. Every one of us has failed. So don't consider this to be, oh, well, you got to be perfect uh, if you want to be. No, that's not the way it is. But sometimes we need to make a decision to say, you know what? I want to build with the right thing. There comes a point in time where you say, you know what, I need to start building and using the right material to build the house that God is building with my life. Now, here's what's amazing is, is that he doesn't just refer to your life as a house. He refers to his church as a house. He says this, he says, a church and your life are a house. Now, the reason why I think God uses this is because houses look different. There's a lot of different houses out there. There's a lot of different churches out there. There's a lot of different lives out there. Everybody looks a little bit different. That's okay. There's a, there's a fellowship church house, right? That, that's going on. That's being built, and that's awesome. There's a Lakewood church house. You know, that's going on, and that's good. There's a Hillsong. There's all of these different houses that are being built, but what we have to understand is we are a room in a house of, with many rooms, And God is using us here in this community for such a time as this to build a house, to build a church. Because here's the deal is that God understands that you are building your life and God is using your life to build the church. See, the reason why he does this is because he knows that his people make up the church, but the, uh, the church makes up his people. The church will change you. The church will help you. 
The church will encourage you. The, 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 the church will, will push you to go after your dreams. The church will push you into your purpose and into your destiny. And that's the reason why the church is the hope. Really, I know a lot of people look at government. They look at different things and they think, oh, this is going to bail me out. The truth is, is God has always intended the church to be that for, for our communities, for our cities, and for our nation. The church is that powerful. I believe this. I didn't come to, to just plan a church because it seemed like an easy thing to do. I came to plant a church because I really believe that the church is the hope for this nation. I believe that it's powerful. I believe that God can use it to do great things. And only when people realize that they are a part of the church and they're using their time, their talent, and their treasure to make a difference. Here's the difference. It is when a church is just doing Sunday morning services and not doing anything else, it will not make an impact. When people realize that they have a call and a purpose on their life and they start using what God has put them uh, on this earth to do and they start doing it in the church, guess what happens? All of a sudden, it becomes a, 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 a something that is making a greater impact than you ever thought or imagined. You with me today? Can I hear an amen? amen. Come on, it's my 9 o'clock service. Wake up. We got free coffee out there. You can drink it. Okay. But here's the thing is that that God wants you to know that the church is powerful. And a huge lie that a lot of people buy into is that they don't need church. Like I said last week, I know that that's not you. You're here. You're awesome. You're doing a great job. I I appreciate that. But here's the thing is that it's a big lie to believe that you don't need the church. Psalms 92, 13 and 14 says this. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. Where? In the house of the Lord, right? Shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I didn't write this. God wrote this, right? He says this. The church is important in your life. You've got to understand that the church is important to every one of us. That's why it's so hard to get here on Sunday morning. That's why it's difficult. That's why it's like there's a, some people take two different cars because y'all have the biggest fights on Sunday mornings. That's just the way it is because the enemy knows this, that, the, that you will flourish in the courts of your God if you get into the local church. So if God is using me to build the church, if he's using you to build the church, He's using all of us to build the church. And, and at the same time we're building our life, I want to make sure that I'm using the right material. A great example in the Bible that we've been going through is a, a man named Nehemiah. Now, just to kind of recap Nehemiah, I know that uh, you, you, you may know who he is, but he's not a well-known character in the Bible. But Nehemiah was a, a Jewish man who was captured and taken to Persia. He was from Jerusalem. He was taken to Persia. Now, it seems like a pretty bad gig, but, but Nehemiah had an had a awesome job. What he was is he was the king's right-hand man. He lived in the king's palace. He ate the king's food. He wore the king's clothes. He had everything that he needed at his, at his beck and call. He could just ask for something, and it was his. It, he had a really easy life. He had a cush life. But something happened to Nehemiah. He's serving, he's, he's living this cush life, he's got a, it all going on, everything is going really good in his life, and somebody comes from Jerusalem and informs him of some bad news. He says this, I just want you to know that Jerusalem has been destroyed. Everything's been taken down, the walls, the gates are tore down, 
It's in bad shape. Now, here's the thing is that you could, Nehemiah could have done something. He could have heard this news and just said, you know what? It's not my problem. I think every one of us could probably say that we've done that at some point in time. Well, you know what? That's a, that's a real sad thing. It's a bummer, but it's not my problem. I can't do anything about it. But Nehemiah wasn't normal because something gripped his heart. Something began to work on his heart. God will work on your heart if you'll let him work on your heart. A lot of times we hear information and we dismiss it too quickly. We hear information and we just we get so used to hearing negative things that we dismiss them very quickly and we don't let them sink in and really let God begin to work on us. And Nehemiah let God begin to work on his heart and he began to pray. He began to fast. He began to call out to God. And he decided that he was going to do something about it. Nehemiah was a different kind of man. He had a heart after what God had a heart for. He had a heart for God's city. He had a heart after what God had a heart for. You know, I think that there's people that have a heart for what God has a heart for, and they stand out. A few things that make them different. We're in this campaign called Heart for the House. How do you have a heart for God's house? How do you have a heart that's after God? You know, Dave, uh, uh, God said this about David, that he was a man after God's own heart. Meaning that there is a way to have God's heart, to go after God's heart. So how do we do that? There's a few things that stand out. I'll give you three. Number one, you got this? They have a heart that's willing. They have a heart that's willing. Nehemiah 2.5 says this, and I said to the king, Nehemiah said to the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in your sight, I ask that you send Bob. Send Judith. No, I ask that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. You know, the thing is, is that Nehemiah says this, send me. He had a heart that was willing to do what God had put on his heart. A heart that was willing. You know, the other day I was eating dinner at my... Uh, my mom's place, my mom and dad's place. And, uh, I think we were having hamburgers. And my mom is, is awesome. She's, she's, uh, you know, she's one of these ladies that she's got everything in order. Everything's perfect. Everything's going to be just the way it's supposed to be. You know, it's just, it, she, she thinks every detail out. Any ladies out there like that? Every detail she thinks out. She thinks out the details. And, and sometimes I have a tendency to mess up those details. Uh, and so I were, was eating a burger and everybody else had kind of got their plate because I hate lines. I don't like standing in lines. I don't like waiting. I'll let you get your food. I'll come in afterwards, swoop in and eat the rest. Amen. <laughs> and so I was sitting there and, uh, I was like, okay, well, uh, I, I came in after everybody. I start making my plate. I get my burger made, get the chips, get everything like it's supposed to, get me a glass of sweet tea, and walk in and sit down at the table with everybody else. And my mom looks at my plate and my cup, and she goes, why did you use that plate <laughs> and that cup? And I l- looked at her, and I said, what do you mean? Why did I use this plate and that cup? And she said, would you look around? You see, everybody else is using the right plate and the right cup because I had 
everything set up and it was supposed to be such and such way. And at that point, I informed my mother the reason why I made my decision was because I was a man. And when I opened the cabinet, I didn't think about, well, what does everybody else have? Well, what, what is everybody else using? I didn't do my research. I didn't think through it. When I opened the cabinet, I looked in and I grabbed the first thing that was available. That's how I made my choice. You know, I think this. I think that a lot of people think that God is looking for something different than he's looking for. We think that he's looking for the perfect pattern, the perfect design, the perfect color. He's looking for all of these things. And the truth is, I think that a lot of times God is just looking for somebody who is available. That says, you know what? Here I am. Send me. Here I am. Use me. God, you know I'm messed up. You know I've got issues. You know my faults. You know my mouth. You know how I talk sometimes. You know i got an anger issue. You know I've got some things that I'm working through. But God, if you can use me, here I am. I'm willing. Send me. Here I am. Send me. I think that we try to make it so complicated. We try to make it so difficult, but Nehemiah said this, here I am. I don't know how to build. I don't know how to do everything that I'm, that I'm, that I'm going to do. I don't have everything together, but I have this one thing that I'm willing to do whatever God calls me to do. I have this one thing that God, if you send me, I know this, that you will, you will, you have equipped me to do what you've called me to do. Here I am. Send me. Just have a heart that's willing. The second thing I think people that have a heart for God's house have a heart after is a heart that's generous. A heart that's generous. Nehemiah 7, verse 70 and 72 says this. Sorry, I'm in Esther now. Nehemiah 7, 70 and 72. 7, 70, 72. Yeah, there we go. It says this, And some of the heads of the father's houses gave to the work. The governor gave to the treasury 1,000 gold drachmas, 50 basins, and 530 priestly garments. Some of the heads of the father's houses gave to the treasury of the work 20,000 gold drachmas and 2,200 silver minas. And that which the rest of the people gave was 20,000 gold drachmas, 2,000 silver minas, and 67 priestly garments. Now, these are the people that are working with Nehemiah. And they know that taking, building this wall and rebuilding this city costs money. And so they said this, you know what, I, I am going to be generous. Now what you have to understand is that all of these people that are giving, their houses have been destroyed. It says their houses have been destroyed. And they said this, I'm going to give to what God is building before I build my own house. See, here's what you have to understand. Is that when you make a decision to build God's house, God will build your house. 
God will go to work on your house and you will, he, you will be fruitful, you will multiply, he will bless you and he will cause you to flourish. You know, I know that a lot of you probably don't know what a drachma is. Unless y'all use drachmas still. I haven't gone down and said, how many drachmas is that? Right? How many silver minas is that? So I had to do the math so that you could actually understand what these people have sacrificed. And according to these three verses of scripture, not counting the priestly garments, because I don't know how much a priestly garment cost. Not counting the priestly garments they gave 27574000 dollars according to today's standard. Now that's a big sacrifice. That's people coming in and saying this. I know this, that I have a heart that's generous. I have a heart to do what God. Here's the thing is, is that you can, you, 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 you got to understand that you got to give to what you love. That's just the way it is. You give to what you love. Wherever your heart is, there your treasure will be also. That's why it's so, God's never after your money. He's always after your heart. There was a young man who came in. Uh, he came up to me and he said, Pastor Brian, I just want you to know. Now, this young man, he, he lives in an apartment, and he works the night shift. He doesn't get to come, so he listens to the podcast. He said this. He said, Pastor Brian, I just want you to know, I, I listened to the podcast on Vision Sunday, and I, I, I want you to know that God has spoke to me, and I know what I'm supposed to give to Heart for the House. Then he said this. He said, I just want you to know that it will be the biggest gift that I've ever given wow. to a church. It will be the biggest gift I've ever given to the church. And he said, it makes me a little nervous, but I know that God has spoken to me and told me to give this amount. Now, here's the thing, is that I didn't ask him the amount. Because that's between him and God. Because I know this, that not all of us can give equal gifts. But every one of us can give equal sacrifice. When we're building God's work, when we're doing what God has called us to do, we understand this, that I might not be able to give what the person next to me is able to give. I might not be able to give that significant amount, but it is a sacrifice to me. And I'm willing to say this, God, I have a heart that's generous. I have a heart to build what you're building. I have a heart to build a building that will reach this city with the gospel of Jesus Christ, not not of bricks and mortar and and sheetrock. I have a heart to build a place of hope. Because I know it'll impact our city with the gospel. See, here's the thing, is that God looks at your heart. And when you begin to have a heart that's generous, God will begin to have a heart that's generous towards you. I've never known somebody who was happy that was stingy. Some of the most giving people that I know are some of the poorest people I know. It's amazing. And they're happy. They're laughing. They're not sure how the bills are going to be paid, but they know, hey, God's got this. He's seen me through. Come on, he's moved mountains. He's done it again and again and again in my life, and I know that he will continue to work in and through me. Amen? Number three, you have to have a heart that takes action. A heart that takes action. Nehemiah 4, verse 6. 
says this. So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a heart to work. Come on, somebody. Because people had a heart to work. Here's the thing. Dreams don't work unless you do. Eventually, you can sit back and dream it and think it and, oh, man, one day. But if you don't roll up your sleeves and understand that you're going to have to put in hours, there's some of you that you keep talking about a dream in your heart and what God, oh, man, one day I would love to start this own business, but I just don't have the time. You know what? You know how these people started businesses before is they did it in the uh, after hours. They worked on Saturdays. They worked on Sunday afternoons. They, They put in the hours it took because they understood that dreams don't work unless you do. See, Nehemiah could have had a heart that was generous, he, 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 could, he could have had a heart that was willing, but he understood that eventually you're going to have to take some action. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to roll up your sleeves and go after what God has called you to go after. There, uh, there was a young man at my dad's church. I was the associate pastor there. He came up to me and he said, hey, Pastor Brian, I, I just want you to pray for me. He was just you know, about 20 years old, 21 years old. He said, Pastor Brian, I want you to pray for me. I said, okay, what do you want me to pray? He said, I, I'm really believing God for this job. Believe in God. I said, all right. It's awesome. Let's pray. So I, I, I prayed with him. I said, God, I just thank you. You're going to give us this, give him this job. The next Sunday, he came up to me again. He said, hey, Pastor Brian, just pray for me for this job. I really believe in God for this job. All right. Week after week, this went on. And finally, I had this thought, and I asked him a a pretty dumb question, I thought, and I said, have you applied for the job? And he looked at me and he said, no. And I, at that point, I gave him a piece of good pastoral advice. I said, hey, stupid, they're not going to knock on your door. And ask you to come to work for them. At some point, you're going to have to have a heart that takes action for what you're wanting to see done. You're going to have to have a heart that says, here I am. I'm willing to go to work. I have this passion. I have this desire. See, here's the thing is as a church, we know that we have a heart to see a building built. And at some point, we got to take action. Got to have a heart. God's house. Today I want to show you a video. If you will, I think all my team's ready if you'll turn your attention to the screens. What would you say your first experience at the church was like? I felt something that first day and something I've never felt before. I remember I came to you and I was just crying. I was like, you said, that's just Jesus working inside of you. (laughs) And that, that has to be my turning point. From there, it's been Um, a journey. It's been a great journey. I've learned so much. We both like the atmosphere, the people. It was very welcoming. Uh, I like the fact that we had a place to put our kids, kids' church, and uh, we enjoyed it. Very joyful, very enlightening. So I was stuck from then, and we're not going anywhere. We love our church. What are some things in your life that has changed since coming to the Church RC? Well, I've learned 
patience. I've learned that forgiving people forgive people. I've learned love. Um, I have more direction and clarity in my life with my goals. And our relationship is awesome. We're better with each other. We're better, better with our kids. And I think I'm more open to speak to someone, uh, pray for someone. Mm -hmm. uh, before, I was closed off. And, uh, the church, I mean, just being around the people, our church family is different, it's unique. Met a lot of new people, uh, talked to people. I was an introvert, now I'm an extrovert. That's awesome. So what is it like for y'all as a mom and dad, like your girls coming out, learning about Jesus, learning about God, and you're watching their faith grow. What is that like for a mom and a dad, like watching your kids grow in the church and growing in God's Word? I, I love it. I love it. I love it. They, they enjoy uh, listening to the word. It's, for me, it was different. I mean, we'd go every Sunday, and sometimes we'd you know, go on Wednesdays, and I didn't enjoy it as much, but my kids, I mean, they love it. They, yeah. <laughs> they're singing songs that they learned at church. Yeah. I'm like, where'd you hear that from? And they're like, I heard it at church. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it's so cute. It yeah. is adorable. I yeah. love it. Yeah, so great. I just feel like they're on the right path. That's, That's awesome. Really Y'all know we're getting ready to go into this Heart for the House campaign. What does having a heart for God's house look like to y'all? Putting it all towards towards what we're trying to build. Uh, heart for the House is just dedicating yourself towards it. To me, it is gathering brothers and sisters together to build this home base, to view and watch more and more people come to Christ. Yeah. You know, we were able to have our first Sunday um, we, because we had a campaign that helped us raise money before we even started the church, you know, to buy all the equipment and everything you see is because somebody gave. Mm -hmm. And so if we had those people watching right now, the first people that gave to the church, mm -hmm. we had them watching right now and you were able to say something to them. And um, what would you say to them? Thank you so much. Thank mm -hmm. you so much. I'd I've never been to a church like this before, and we're just so thankful. <laughs> the same. I'd like to say thank you. You know, the little bit that you give, you don't know what's going to happen or what can come out of it. And I think we've built something very special. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. I agree. Awesome. I agree. Awesome. You know, this is why we do what we do. Truth is, is that you're sitting next to somebody who has a story. And for every person that you sit next to that has a story, there's somebody in our community that hasn't found the hope. See, the great thing about the church is, is that we all have stories of redemption. We have stories. We've lived imperfect lives. We've messed up. But we found a God who gives us grace who forgives, who gives love, who gives mercy, who restores, who sets free. And the thing is, is that our community needs the answer you found. Our community needs that. And every person in here has a story to tell. And when we understand that God has called each and every one of us to make a difference in somebody else's lives, we begin to get a heart for God's house. You know, a heart for the house is a two-year campaign. 
The reason why it's two years is because we want to not just build a building, we want to pay off as much of the building as we can possibly pay off. It's a, it's a big campaign. It's expensive. It's going to cost $3.5 million according to Building Trends today. But what, what we've worked with a lender who says this, if you can raise a million dollars, we will give you the loan for the rest of the amount. So people ask me, hey, when are we going to break ground when we raise a million dollars? When the bank says, you got it, go for it, it's all yours. Now, I know you're looking at it, and most of you are saying, I can't write a million-dollar check. I'm not asking you to write a million-dollar check if you can't. What I'm asking is, is I'm asking you to pray and say, God, what is my part in this? You know, in chapter 3 in verse in, in Nehemiah, it says this, And next to him, so-and-so built. And next to him, so-and-so built. And next to him, so-and-so built. See, here's the thing, is that when every one of us link arms and say, I am going to do my part. I can't build the whole wall. But I can build my part. I can build this section. I can do what God has equipped me to do. That's when we make a difference. That's when we see great things accomplished. Now, every one of you may or may not, if you haven't gotten one of these, we sent these out, uh, these envelopes out in the mail. And what we want to do is give you as much information as possible. Now, if you did not receive one of those, we apologize. We just didn't have your address. Uh, But you can go to the information table on your way out and you can pick one up. There's no, you don't sign on a dotted line. I'm not sending you a bill. This is, this is this. This is just giving you the information you need for what we're doing in Heart for the House. Next Sunday is Mother's Day, which is going to be an awesome Sunday. We're going to celebrate. Crystal's going to preach an awesome word. It's going to be incredible. And, uh, and that, that Sunday is our commitment Sunday. During, that, during the, the, the next week, we're, we're asking you just to continue to pray and ask God, God, what will you have me give? For a lot of you, you know, you're in this wheelhouse of, God, I can give this amount over the next two years. Or maybe you're like, "Ah, I don't know about the next two years, but I can give it over the next year. Whatever it is, we have it all broke down to you, and so that way you can look at it. And what I'm asking is that you just pray. I'm not going to tell you a number. I don't know your finances. But I'm going to ask you to pray. That's what Crystal and I are doing. We're praying and we're asking God, God, what would you have us give? What is our part in this? What, is, what, what are you calling us to do? With every head bowed, every eye closed. God, I just pray that we would have a heart for your house. God, that we would have a heart that's passionate about what you're passionate about. God, that we would give what we're supposed to give. And God, that we would do everything that you've called us to do as a church that we would be a people that reach our community God you haven't called us to build a building you've called us to build people Lord I pray that would be our focus always maybe you're in this place and you say Brian I don't know Jesus I've never asked him into my heart never asked him to be the Lord of my life can I tell you you know begin this message I talked about that you're building a life what you need to know is that Jesus is the foundation you start on 
He's the foundation. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at thechurchrc.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at thechurchrc. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, you can email us at amen at thechurchrc.com.